This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Nick Harbaugh. Nick is the retail nomad. I'm excited for him to be here. Nick, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks much for having me on, man. Appreciate it. So, Nick, first question that I, you know, I've been thinking about since we scheduled this is, are you related to John or Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> Get that question quite frequently from all the sports <laughs> fanatics. Uh, what I like to say is they're from northern Ohio. I'm from central Ohio. Supposedly, we are connected through that fa- family lineage. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but we they never passed me the mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving is what I said. <laughs> okay, so, fair enough. They don't pass. Do they get you tickets to some games? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Unfortunately. Got it. Okay. All right. So there's something there, some connection, but supposedly from supposedly. what I understand. Yep. All right. Um, okay. So Nick, retail nomad. I, I guess start there. Tell us about what the Retail Nomad is, what you do with the Retail Nomad. Absolutely. Uh, just a little backstory. Uh, I've been in the retail space since the mid-90s and uh, you know, created an installation firm and sold that entity. And when I did that, I, I started some international travels. You know, when some of the U.S. brands started crossing you know, north and south of the U.S. border, uh, Lowe's, Home Depot were the first few that took me international in expansion. And when doing that, I got to see quite a bit of how retail was quite the same and yet quite different. So prior to 2022, uh, I had the opportunity to sign up for a a a 12-month travel program where go 12 months, 12 countries. So one month per country. And I got to kind of hand select off an a la carte menu, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, And, and in doing that, devised this concept of the retail nomad. And it was kind of delivered to me by a few industry colleagues that said, Nick, you've got to collect some you know, content and data while you're bouncing around the world and the globe. So I'm like, let's do it. Uh, Develop the concept, been having a riot. So every week I do one little video. It's about three to five, six minutes in length. And it's everything from mainstream corporate America retail brands that we're all familiar with. And then on the other side of the spectrum, stuff we've never heard of, seen, and it's just that difference uh, of how retail is similar yet different around the world. What is the one thing that is most consistent about retail around the world? Great question. Um, obviously, somebody's got a product. You know, somebody made a widget or some kind of a product, and it's that point of sale transaction. The thing that was most eye-opening to me so far in my 10 months of travel uh, to date has been where retail started. Uh, I unknowingly found the originating point, from what I understand, is where retail originated. So the Silk Road originated in Asia with the silk garments and you know things of that nature. They would travel through Asia over to Europe to be sold to the wealth, the kings and the queens, And doing that, one of the transition points was the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, Turkey. Blew me away. I absolutely was just 
dumbfounded when I, I come to this facility. It's massive. They get 1 million visitors per day, I believe is the numerics. Uh, the building was built originally in the 1400s. It's just, it's badass. It's amazing. So you go through there and what I learned, it was the first area in the world that they put four walls around a market. So somebody had a product and it was being sold to a consumer buyer and it gave the government the ability to tax the product. And it, number two, it allowed them to control the price points. Okay, so versus prior to four walls, you know, Tommy's over here selling for X, Billy's selling for 2X. You know, so it, it gave some of that control element. And today, that's what we're all involved in is the retail space. And that was one of the originating points. So it was just so eye-opening for me to see that and, and, and touch, feel, and, and be a part of that, uh, the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, Turkey. So, Did you buy something? Totally. <laughs> it was overwhelming. I mean, it's like the Disneyland of retail. It's You, know, you could buy a tribal spear or you could buy like a silk shirt. <laughs> it was awesome. Totally awesome. Did you get a tribal spear? I did. It wouldn't fit in my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, oh, man. I, that would be cool to have a tribal spear. <laughs> You have no idea what I've seen this year in, in the travels. And, you know, today, just so you know, uh, where we are, you know, we're month 10. Uh, I've been to five continents. I've been to 18 countries. And I've touched, you know, my feet in three oceans already this year. So you can just imagine the diversity of what I've seen centered around retail. It's it's unbelievable. Really cool project. Mm -hmm. What is the place where retail is most different than it is in the United States that you've seen? Wow. Another great question. You're good at this, Chris. <laughs> um, you, you know what? I mean, I'll, I'll actually go back to Istanbul, Turkey. And the reason I say that is because of the history of that grand bazaar it's 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 still in a building that's over 500 years old. I mean, it's just, but they've done it to where the point of sale transaction is what we're accustomed to seeing in a CVS and a Walmart and a Louis Vuitton, but it's in a building with so much history in it. It's just, it's phenomenal. It's like the um, an old school market meets modern, you know, they can, they can process your credit card right there on a handheld device, you know, so it's, it blends old school with modern tech, you know, is the best way I can summarize that. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go back for a second. So this is what you're currently doing, the retail nomad. Sure. Uh, and I would call it, that's a, it's a fun project, but mm -hmm. your career and where you generate a living from is your installation businesses. That's correct. Right. Can you give everyone a little context of what that is, those installation businesses? Absolutely. Um, I like to summarize what we do is we install things. And those things typically fall within two buckets. One is the core signage. So it's the, the Walmart Sam's Club of the world. We install that signage that says, you know, beer, wine, chicken, you know, seafood, those type of departmental category uh, signage uh, elements. Over to the flip side, we install a lot of the millwork fixtures, you know, for brands, Disney, you know, Samsung, you know, Lacoste, you know, these type of banners out there 
that you go into the store to purchase your goods and it's sitting on some kind of a wooden fixture or millwork, you know, you know, whole wall system. It could be a kiosk. It could be a shelving unit, those type of things. So we either go in when the store is new, being built from scratch and installed new, or we go in during a remodel refresh type of initiative. So we go in and we demo all the existing, we call it the old fixtures, and we install the new fixtures and items and millwork. So hopefully that's Got it. a summary. That's super helpful. And for those who don't know, mm-hmm. you mentioned like in the grocery store, the, the beer wine sign. Yep. I think some people would be surprised that someone actually comes in and installs that. And no, you like you would there. I think there's a group of people who would think Walmart just buys that and the store management team like hangs them up. A great question again, and you got to look at that. The store employee, um, they're trained and groomed to sell the goods. They're not an installation professional that knows how to work a 30-foot scissor lift that gets them up to the top with a screw gun and, you know, all the right screws and attachment hardware, you know, the wall cleats, you know, seismic systems. It truly is a niche within the industry that, that from an installation perspective. So what, what a lot of those banners do, the retailers, they force the vendor. So if they procure the signage from company ABC or they, they procure the fixture millwork from company XYZ, they say, hey, well, we're going to purchase your goods. You're going to have to include installation with that. So a lot of cases, we perform the installation for the vendor or for the brand. It can come from two to, two or three different channels, typically. You know, so our, our check what, may not- what is Mm-hmm. What is the most common? Does it that that was super helpful description? Mm-hmm. What is the most common? Are you typically hired by the vendor or typically hired directly from the retailer? I imagine I, the vendor. I got to I'm gonna say it's probably a little more weighted on the vendor side, you know. But it depends on the brand and the philosophy of the of the brand retailer. Some of them want to control all those aspects, and then some of them want to off offload that that responsibility mm-hmm. and task to the vendor. So it truly is brand retail driven on how they want to perform and manage their programs. Are there a lot of groups out there doing what you're doing? Has it gotten competitive, the space, the niche? Uh, I mean, there's, there's, I would say uh, five to 10, you know, nationwide or even international, you know, companies that do what we do. Um, it, it is a niche, you know, because it's not tip, it's not general construction. And I, that's why I like to categorize it as installation. You know, can, can we perform general construction, you know, scopes of work? Yes, we're not licensed. We're an installation group is what we are. Some of the groups like to push that envelope and, you know, they'll go out and, and slowly work and chisel away to get their GC license. But, you know, that's a different animal. You know, you're building walls and, you know, uh, that type of thing and plumbing and electrical and, and the different trade elements. We try to like specialize in what we do. We install things. And do you have to sub any of your work out or do you do everything yourselves? It's a hybrid mix. It depends on the market, you know, so we blend those two and it's all volume driven, you know, in the major metros, top 20, 25 you know, markets of the U S We've got, you know, W-2 employees that, you know, rock and roll and they, they, they control those markets and areas. And then we blend that in with a hybrid mix of, of individuals that we contract with. 
thankfully, we're, we've got the ability to vet them out. So we're utilizing the right, the correct Tommies and Billies that have already been vetted on our programs. Got it. And I'm over the years, I imagine building the relationship with these vendors and retailers has been critical and like mm -hmm. getting to know who the, the sign companies are and who the, the, the wood, the kiosk manufacturers are, mm -hmm. uh, is that a fair assessment? No, you're spot on. And it's funny. I don't, I don't know if we touched too much of this previously, but I'm a part of a few networking groups and one group uniquely enough is called the mob uh, and that's an acronym that stands for Maximizing Opportunities for Your Business. And what we are is we're a collective a group of you know, 15 to 16 members, and we're all non-competitive. What we do is we help and support one another. So, you know, you know we got you know, a flooring individual, we got a lighting individual, logistics, architectural engineering. And truly, we, we get to help one another. And when you go into a program where you know every other vendor that's on the on the roster or on the schedule, it's so much easier to be in tune with each other, right? So sometimes, look at the flip side. We go into a program where we know not one other vendor on the schedule, okay? And what happens is, you know, who is this company? How do they operate? You know, it's a learning curve from day one. So when we do all know each other, I know the, the fixture millwork group, or I know the decor people, or I know the logistics people, hey, where's the truck at? You know, it's easier to have success when you're working with groups that you've worked with in the past. Sure. Okay. And what's the name of the company? Well, that Nick? networking group is called the Mob, but the group that I that we are the a member of. Yeah, it's called no, the Flexecution. 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 So uh, All right. they created their own term. We, we say we flexicute, which, uh, you know, they combine the word execution and flexible, you know, because our industry, we need to be very flexible with schedules and timing and we need to be able to execute. Got it. Flexicution. There you go. I like the word. I like the word. I might just take the word uh, <laughs> it, internally. We need to flexicute guys. Totally. Uh, we actually have a reward award program. It's we we say that who who has flexicuted and we created our own verb. It, it's it's a, a, we actually use it on a weekly basis within our team. Flexicuted. You got it. I'm trying to think if I flexicuted this week. Okay. There you go. Uh, Nick, so you have a really interesting background in retail. Mm -hmm. Wondering if you could share a story of how some store ended up where it did. Absolutely. We had a unique story uh, with a location uh, down in Virginia. Uh, this was a very historic location and a lot of limitations on what you can and cannot do with the uh, American History uh, Association. That what We can't do certain things. What we did is we went in there and worked hand in hand with multiple vendors and did everything from design to the manufacturing. And in our scope was the installation. Uh, the unique factor of this location, uh, because it's a historic building. What, what we, was it? What was it originally? What type of it history? Was another, it was another store location, but uh, complete remix of merchandising goods and products. And it's everything from furniture to uh, knickknacks is what I would say, uh, based around the military. Huge Navy re uh, presence out there in, uh, in um, Williamsburg, Virginia. So sure. uh, amazing project. Very difficult for, for our perspective uh, in the sense that uh, 
existing location, but we couldn't bring a lift into the store to get to the second level. So literally, um, and then with being with such an old building and structure, we could only bring hand crank lifts in to get up to the second level. These are seven, 800 pound wood fixtures, huge, massive. You know, it, it was, uh, it was a, a, a collaboration with all the engineers, local individuals, site supervisors, the brand themselves, Aramark was on site. You know, it was, it was a true collaboration of multiple folks, vendors, and entities yeah, to bring this to success. Interesting. And so Aramark, they provide like food and service, uh, like facilities and uniforms to like schools and military and, and, and groups like this. Is this the facility you're working on? Was it consumer facing? Like at the end, will people, will like military be able to walk in and buy something? Absolutely. You or I could walk in today and purchase, you know, so it's a, it's a, in that historic area of Williamsburg. Um, very high tourism, huge tourism market. We used to own a property in Williamsburg. I know it well. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. You may be familiar with this property. Uh, thankfully, the group collectively within our mob, we were all, we received an award from Aramark. Um, that it was just an amazing uh, reciprocation from them and their team, knowing what we all had to go through to make this happen. Primarily based of all uh, the history of how old this building and structure was. And to, to entirely revamp, remodel, refresh this location. So when you, this is really interesting. So we're talking about, for those who just joined us, we're talking about Aramark in Williamsburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So the, when you're doing the installation on this building, mm-hmm. For your signage decor, mm-hmm. what are some of the, when you say historic, what are some of the limitations they're putting on you that were unique? Well, I mean, it's that's on that design element of what you can and cannot do. And keep in mind, we're kind of the last piece of the puzzle, meaning we put the puzzle together. The engineer, designer, architect team, they were the ones working with the local city officials on what you you could and could not you know, change. Even I believe the color theme on the front of the building had to be within certain specs. You know, it could not go you know, too far this direction or too far that direction. Sure. Was there anything about how you installed something that limited you? From our scope, no, because we okay. were just literally installing the fixture millwork. You know, it was pretty cut and dry from our, our standpoint of what we were doing. There wasn't any like, make sure you don't touch that wall over there or make sure nobody talks in that window pane over there because that window panes actually it's from 1200 BC and they shipped and Christopher Columbus hand put that in. Is there something like that? I I wasn't there myself, so I I didn't get to hear those elements. I'm sure there were because we had some cement and brick structures, you know, and I'm assuming that we couldn't put, you know, any secured attachment you know, hardware into those type of elements. So I didn't get to see the engineering drawings, but I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, can assure you that those elements were taken into consideration. Yeah, I imagine they were. Um, so is it now open? Is it, or is Absolutely. it still being built? Absolutely. We could rock and roll and go there today and, you know, purchase goods in there. Got it. Mm-hmm. And how big was this facility? 
Uh, it was a few thousand square feet. I, I don't recall specifically. I'm going to say five, six, six thousand square feet. It was a decent size okay. facility. Two, two level as well. Two level. So, okay. Well, Nick, I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. I, I, I've never... I've never, I don't think I've ever been inside an Aramark. I'm, I've been in like every retail store. I, yeah. How did you guys get the business here? Who hired you? Was it a vendor or Aramark? It's Aramark. You know, funny enough, uh, uh, our contact there, I, I went to school at Ohio State and he's an old Ohio State Buckeye as well. And we kind of bumped Sorry. into each other. <laughs> Are you in Michigan? <laughs> no. Okay. I, actually, I, I just, I'm kidding. I have uh, no issues with the high says it's great. I went to Rutgers. No, there you go. No, you go. no competition at the moment. There you go. But, but no, bumped into an old Buckeye at one of our industry events, you know, years ago. Started chit chatting, and uh, it worked out really well. You know, so now we perform installations for them on their projects. A lot of amusement, uh, amusement uh, park, you know, uh, uh, national parks, gift shops. Those we just did Pikes Peak for them. You know, I think we got Yosemite coming up for them. You know, just very unique type of locations, not your standard retail mainstream, you know, but we're all familiar with a lot of their locations. And are the, are the fixture packages prototypical or do they change from location to location? Totally customized location to location because, you know, some of them, even Pikes Peak, you know, very old facility. You know, you imagine these gift shops, looks like an old log cabin, you know, type of thing. So we got to, again, be delicate and, you know, take a lot of this into consideration. Yeah. So each one is totally customizable. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do more homework on Aramark. I, I, I mean, I know them, mm-hmm. but they're not someone who comes to mind for me right away. And, sure. And, uh, sure. I'm, I'm glad you highlighted them uh, to me. What, do you, what I'll do is I'll send you over a little piece afterwards, after the show here, and just to give you a little blip on what we did and the article and the, and the award. How about that? Perfect. I'll see if we can put it in the show notes for sure. We'll talk about that location. That would be great and get you Absolutely. out there. Cool. So, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that story about Aramark in Williamsburg, Virginia. Really Absolutely. cool story. Mm-hmm. I, I want to bring it back. Last few minutes of the show. Nick. Sure. So tell me, uh, when does this retail nomad journey end? That's a great question because at this point, the original you know plan that I had in, in place was 12 months, 12 countries, right? And we've obviously shifted gears a little bit. I'm on country 18, right, as of right now. Um, I, I have What country decided- are you in? You didn't even tell us. Tell everybody, where are you right now? Great, great point. I'm sitting in Sicily, uh, the island off of Italy right now. So I'm here for the month of November. Amazing. What's the weather like? <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. I would say it's 80 and sunny here today. Absolutely beautiful weather. Wow. When does when does it get cold where you are in Sicily? I got to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> I just yeah. got here two but days ago. But it's not ago. today. I'm not going to say it's not, not today. today. I was going to say, the, the freaking weather here is amazing. I've been out walking around like a true tourist, and uh, I'm not sure when it gets cold, uh, to be honest with you. Have you eaten some good food? Oh, dude, I've gained two two or three pounds already from the pastas and pizzas since I've been here. It's been delicious. <laughs> it's been amazing. The How's the retail in Sicily? Well, that's a, that's a very good question because – 
on my program, I've kind of got to do the homework, right, to kind of find the story, build the story, if you will. Um, in my research here, uh, there's the brands. I mean, there's the high-end shopping and things. I found the, the, the town where Dolce and Gabbana, you know, two individuals, I found the town where Dolce originated. So I may go to that town and basically create a story on, you know, how that whole thing came about. I got to do some more research basically to see if I can find and build a story out of that, you know, and where the origination, where that originated. Everybody's familiar with the brand, but I'm not sure what the story is or the backstory there. You know, I could go do some of the mainstream things here in town in Palermo is where I'm located right now, you know, for the next few weeks. But I may bounce around Sicily uh, and uh, and create a, a few of those concepts with uh, the products and goods that are sold here locally and, and you know from this island. You, have you been uh, Airbnb? Well, I'm, I'm part of the program that I'm uh, with. They take care of all those logistics for us. So you know, accommodation, you know, co-working space, transportation A to B, you know, that type of thing. You know, so we got you know. You know Basically, corporate housing type of structures, you know, that they set us up in. The are you with a group right now? Correct. Yeah, the the whole travel concept from January to December is with a travel entity and organization. None I get, of us. Yeah, do. I got that. Well, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cool. just meant like, is it like in the building next to you, someone else on the same trip you're on? Correct. Exactly. There's yeah. There's like okay. twenty some of us. Yeah. Got bouncing it. around got it very very cool the uh I, I i'm nowhere near having the ability you, you saw earlier i have kids i'm nowhere near the ability of being able to do something like that but uh not uninteresting the mm -hmm. when you summarize this all up the retail nomad mm -hmm. give me your Top three takeaways from the whole retail nomad experience. Okay, wow, great! Uh, another great question here. Um, I, I obviously outlined the Istanbul Turkey piece. Um, I'll go yeah, to that was Thailand. Awesome. Thailand because I kind of put that story of three different videos I did this year, and I did them accidentally in reverse, and I didn't even know it, right? So I started with the Silk Exchange located in Valencia, Spain. And I got to learn that that's where all the garments and all the goods were transported. And that was one of their final destination points for the kings and queens to purchase, right? So kings and queens of Spain, England, and France would come down there and buy the goods that were transported over there. From there, and this, uh, I again went in reverse order, not knowing I stopped at Istanbul, Turkey to the Grand Bazaar. That was the midpoint, okay? That was where Asia met Europe. And they, literally, if you look at the arteries from the, the waterways to the roadways, all the goods were brought into that central point and then the distribution would go outbound from there. So last, two months ago, I was in Thailand and I got to physically visit a silk factory, <laughs> So think of that. That's where the goods were first made. And I mean, literally from the wooden machines, these machines had to be over 100 years old that I got to see. Absolutely blew me away. Wow. Making the silks, the silk fabric. I mean, just amazing you know, to experience, to see it. Still working. 100 years. 
hundred years. I mean, I'll, I'll fire you over a little video on that one. I mean, it's just it's so eye opening. Yeah, the, the, the just and they're creating this the silk fabric, but yet think of that five hundred years ago, that was the same concept, and they would put them on old horse and buggies and the, these this system for distribution, trans traveling all the way to Turkey, and then they put them, I guess, from what I understand, on a boat to get them into Valencia, Spain, into the harbor, and the Silk Exchange is right, like, two blocks off from the harbor area. Yeah, so it, it got to see that. If you look at the logistics and, and that whole line, if you will, it was so overwhelming and, and eye-opening to see that retail process hundreds of years ago, you know, so. Wow, that is really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Nick. It was great having you on. I really appreciate it. Cool. Chris, I appreciate your time and uh, the invitation. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.